on today's message from Harvest Church of God. He took all of those righteous souls and spirits of the righteous dead. And the Bible said there was a resurrection. When Jesus got up, he brought them with him. So that righteous souls and spirits don't go down anymore. They go up. For to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When the darkest hour of your life happens, Jesus will look you in the eye and say, don't be afraid. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, all my gain I count but lost and pour contempt on all my pride. That songwriter must have been really inspired. And I'm sure he knew what the meaning of the cross was. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to be in this place at this moment. Thank you to be assembled as we are here today. Thank you for every soul that is present. You knew we would be here. You knew who is present. And you know every need and every heart and every life. And your word is a healer and an emancipator. Your word is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Your word is food for our hungry soul. Your word is water for the thirsty. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path to give us direction. And I ask you, O oh God, that in these next few moments that we will be blessed above measure and that your presence and your spirit will abide with us in, an insig insignif in a significant way. In Jesus' name, amen. And everybody said amen. 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 I serve a risen Savior. You know that song? He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I hear his voice of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. At just the time I need him, he's always near. Sing it with me. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian, lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King, the hope of all who seek him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. Sing it. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. He's living. Give him a good hand clap of praise. Thank you for indulging this old preacher a little bit of reminiscence there and sing that old Easter song. Colossians chapter 3 is just charged full of great theological truth. 
verse 1 of chapter 3, Colossians. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, well, you just told me that I was dead, and now you tell me that Christ, who is my life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. We've come to live in a time of great intelligence and ingenuity, great technological advance. In fact, this has been called the information age. In fact, scientists tell me that every six months we double in intelligence and things that we know, that our knowledge is increasing so rapidly. The Bible said that that would happen. The Bible said that in the last days, knowledge would be increased. But it also said that men's hearts would fail them for fear that is coming upon the earth. So basically, in the last days, we can expect people to be fearful and anxious, frustrated, and yes, even without hope. So what does the church have to say to a generation that is frightened, anxious, frustrated, but they're very knowledgeable? Well, the Bible said that when Paul was preaching one time at Mars Hill, they said about him, much learning hath made thee mad. In other words, they were saying, you, you, you've learned so much it's driven you crazy. You reach a point where you know so much that you kind of just scratch your head and say, wow, I don't have all the answers. Paul, in, in fact, said, I, I, I think not that I have attained into, into any state of, of grandeur or intelligence don't think that that's ever happened to me because he said, I haven't arrived yet. And he said, I, I still learn every day that there's so much I don't know. But we have a heavenly father who is omniscient. That means he knows everything. That means that nothing, I say it this way and you laugh at me sometimes, has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to God? God never forgets, God never sleeps, God is never unconscious about what's going on. He is everywhere present and has all the attributes of deity, that is omniscience, omnipresence, and omnipotence. He's all-powerful, he's all-wise, and all-knowing, and he's everywhere present at one time. Isn't that something that while we're here worshiping God on this side of the globe, it's already tomorrow in another part of the globe. And God is present here at this address. He's present in Tokyo and present in Seoul, Korea. He's present in Jerusalem right now. He's everywhere present. That's something that our finite minds cannot comprehend because God's Deity, his attributes are such greater beyond our understanding. His ways are so far above our ways that we don't have the comprehension to co comprehend him. God is not limited by anything. He has always been. 
He always will be. The Bible said he inhabits eternity. He's in all of our tomorrows. He's in all of our yesterdays. He's in our present. He's with us, saying to us, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. So what is our message to a world that is fearful and without hope? Our message is this. Jesus is right for whatever is wrong. And that's the message. And that's because he lives in our hearts. If you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Our world is growing more secular every day. Our world is becoming more anti-Christian every day. Omar Bradley made this statement in 1948 at the end of war and all the things that went on. He said, we have grasped the mystery of the Adam and rejected the Sermon on the Mount. With the monstrous weapons man already has, humanity is in danger of being trapped in this world by moral adolescence. Our knowledge of science has already outstripped our capacity to control it. We have too many men of science and too few men of God. Wow, what a statement that is for a five-star general to make. Mankind has accumulated so much advanced knowledge that the simple story of the crucifixion, the simple story of a, a Christ who was born of a Virgin Mary, lived an exemplary life, and died a sacrificial death on Calvary's cross, was placed in a borrowed tomb, and rose the third day with power and victory over death and hell and the grave. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus because it's the power of of God unto salvation. Philippians 3 and 10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. You see in Romans 4, 25, the Bible said he was delivered for our offenses and he was raised again for our justification. What is the purpose of Easter? so that we could be victorious over the sin issue that's in our lives, so that we could be freed from the tyranny and the awful consequences of sin that had stained all of humanity through Adam. For by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. By one man's transgression, by one man's disobedience, death came upon all of us. But the Bible said, but like so in one man's obedience, many were made righteous. Because of what Adam did, we got acquainted with death and hell and the grave. But because of what Jesus did, we were delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Delivered from the power of darkness, delivered from death, delivered from hell, delivered from the grave, and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. What a verse that is for all of us who are risen with Christ. And I love this one. It's, it's so powerful. It's in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus. Did you know that Jesus was 
raised by the power of the Holy Spirit? Did you know that there is a spirit of resurrection? If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus be in you, then he also which raised up the Lord Jesus shall quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. In every one of God's children there dwells the spirit of God. No man calleth Jesus Lord but by the Holy Spirit. And no man comes unto Jesus, the Bible said, except the Spirit of God draws him. We're saved and regenerated by the Spirit of regeneration. The Holy Spirit does that ministry of raising us up just as it raised up Christ. If the Spirit of him that raised Jesus raised up Jesus, then that same Spirit will raise you up. raise you up there should be some raised up people sitting in these chairs today there should be some raised up people that are singing I know he lives it should be some raised up people that are not any longer held captive by death and hell in the grave in fact God has so powerfully Take them the sting out of death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that death has no dominion over you anymore. Hell and the grave has no consequence uh, with you. No. We're delivered from that. We don't live in fear. We don't live in all of that anxiety. And we have been made to be partakers of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. That in what he did for us, we're going to follow him in that same power. In John 10 and 10, Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. They tell me that in Russia, for many, many years, they kept linen on display in a glass case. Every now and then, they'd have to take him out and apply a chemical because of the decay and because of all the damage that had been done. But they'd prop him back up and put on some more plastic and put him back in there and put him on display. Well, I want you to know Jesus doesn't have to be patched up. Jesus doesn't have to be patched up. Back when I was preaching on television, and good to see Steve and these guys here today, get me after church to tell you where Brian is right now. Adrian Rogers, the pastor of the great church at Bellevue Baptist in Memphis, Tennessee, a prince of preachers, one of the greatest organizers of Scripture I've ever read after. And I got to know him personally through... Uh, the television ministry and going to conferences and doing that kind of thing. And he tells the story of when he and his wife Joyce were in Russia and Brezhnev was the premier. And you're not supposed to say anything as you walk through the room where they have Lenin displayed and have the pictures of Marx and uh, Lenin and all these people in the uh, hall. You can't say anything. And there are soldiers that are standing there very stout and strong and rigid. But Joyce Rogers 
is not just a casual Christian. As she walked by those soldiers, she'd say, Jesus is alive. And she'd walk by another soldier, and Adrian said, I started to say, shut up. You're going to get us arrested, and we'll, we'll be down yonder at the embassy trying to get out of here. You're not supposed to say anything, but every time she'd go by a soldier standing there, she'd say, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. You see, when you're risen with Christ, you can't accept that he is not risen, that he is still dead and still hidden somewhere. And as the dejectors would say, they stole him and placed him somewhere. No, that's a bunch of bull. I know in whom I have believed. I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. That great preacher, that wonderful blessing in the pulpit that was S.M. Lockridge. What a, what a great voice for God he was. He preached a message about my king. Jesus is my king. I've got it up here. They're going to play about three minutes of it for you. You've got your shout and shoes on? All right, listen to it. Play it for us, Adam. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. Amen. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. And his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. 
Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Hallelujah. One more time, give the King of Kings a worship this morning. Praise our God and blessed be his name. Hallelujah. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. I know that we're living in a difficult time. I know that all kinds of negative things could be said today. But the greatest thing we can proclaim to people that need to hear it is that Jesus is right for whatever's wrong. That is, grace will meet every need in your heart and your life. He's not dead. He's alive forevermore. He's alive forevermore. I said he's alive forevermore. Blessed be his name. When the angel appeared at that tomb and the angel rolled the stone away, these ladies came to find out what had happened to the body of the Lord Jesus. Matthew 28. Can I read it to you? In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Who is the other Mary? Lazarus' sister over at Bethany. She's the one that was so busy about many things, wasn't she? But she went out and she bathed the feet of the Lord Jesus with her tears and she anointed his feet and she rejoiced. And all the skeptics said she shouldn't be doing that. Jesus said, let her alone. And behold, there was a great earthquake, a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and took a seat on it. Hallelujah. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment was white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead man. You see, those Pharisees, they went to Pilate, and they said, you need to put a, a guard there at that, at that tomb, and you need to seal that tomb with the seal of the emperor that nobody can get in there because we're afraid that those disciples are going to go in there and steal him and take him away and tell people that he rose. So Pilate went along and he put the seal of the emperor on that and punishment for breaking that seal is death. And he posted guards there that would watch to make sure nobody, no thief could come and steal the body of Jesus. And the Bible said that when the angel came down and rolled the stone away, has Jesus rolled the stone away for you? When he rolled the stone away, he sat down on the stone 
because he had a great seat from where he viewed it. And the Bible said then there was an earthquake, a shaking, if you please, a shaking, if you please. And the Bible said that Jesus had rose from the dead and was, those guards that came to stand guard to make sure he wouldn't be stolen, the Bible said they were petrified like dead people. Petrified like dead people. And so when the two Marys arrived, arrived at the grave that day, the angel preached the first gospel message about the resurrection. The angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not. We learned last week that there are 365 fear nots in the Bible. One for every day of the year, for every situation, for every location, for every problem, for every difficulty, for every hardship. God has a fear not for every day and for every situation. Don't be afraid. Well, that seems like what I heard Jesus say when this Mary was complaining to Jesus, if thou hadst been here. He said, don't be afraid. If you'll just believe, you will see the salvation of the Lord. You see, for every one of us that are prone to fear and become frightened and frustrated, the Lord has a fear not for you. And when these ladies arrived, they were in terrible, terrible, desperate shape. The Lord Jesus that they had watched die on the cross. See, the, this Mary was present when he said, it's finished. This Mary was present when he said, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This Mary was present when he said, I thirst. This Mary was present when he said, woman, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother. This woman, this woman Mary was present and heard Jesus when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So you can about imagine how her heart was broken when she saw the Lord Jesus give up the ghost, as the Bible said, and died. For many of the disciples... They felt like that was the end. For many of the disciples, they felt like our journey has come to this. They have killed the one we thought was the Messiah, that we thought was the Savior. That angel said, fear not, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, for I know, I know. Have you ever had Jesus say, I know? Have you ever had God's word say to you, I know? I want you to know this morning that he knows. Whatever your situation is, he knows. And because he knows, he has an answer. And he said, I know that you're seeking Jesus. I know what you're looking for. Hey, isn't that wonderful that God stood in the foyer this morning as you walked in? He said, I know. I know what you're looking for. I know what you need. I know what you're expecting. I know, I know. When he said, I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. You're trying to find him. You're looking for him because no one that has ever died just disappeared. 
You feel like if you can just get to where he is and see where he is, that he's dead. It'll confirm. Closure, is that what they call it? You may be looking for closure, but he said, I'm just going to tell you flat out, right up front, he's not here. He was here. You're at the right place. You're at the right location. He was here, but he's not here. He is not here. He is risen. As he said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly now and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Lo, I have now told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher. Look at verse 8. With fear and great joy. Boy, that's a strange mix. They left with great fear and great joy. No, don't let me get by with that. Only one grade in there. They had fear, but they had great joy. I wish they'd have put an E-R on the end of that word. They had fear, but they had greater joy. Because you see, if you can make that equation work in your favor, it would read just like that. Yes, you have fear. The human part of you, the human part of you is touched by things that happen and things that go on. Yes, there is fear that goes along with being a human being, but you have a greater joy. That as they walked away from that tomb, they had fear, but they had great joy. Wow, that's so powerful, isn't it? And they ran to bring his disciples the word. And as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them. Well, we're on our way to get to the disciples and tell the disciples that you've risen. He said, well, never mind that I'm here. Have you ever had Jesus to show up and surprise you? Have you ever had Jesus to just come alongside you? Those two disciples that were walking down that Emmaus road, they were talking about how, how they'd followed him for three years and how that they had such hope. They said, I had so hoped that this was the answer. I had so hoped that this was the Messiah. And suddenly there was one walking with them. And he said, what are you talking about? Has Jesus ever asked you what you're talking about? And you were embarrassed to tell him? That what would Jesus do kind of got you? What would Jesus say? What would Jesus think? And the disciples started telling him, we were just talking about how we had such hope. We were just talking about how, how we had believed that this was the Messiah, that this was the Son of God. And the Bible said when Jesus, they said, come on in, and so he came on in. Can you believe that they were talking about somebody they didn't even recognize? And the Bible said when Jesus sat at meat with them, 
And when he broke the bread, they got it. They looked at him and they said, Master. You see, sometimes God is with you and you don't really even know it. Your, your disconsolate situation causes you to not be aware that God is with you, that God is right there with you. He never leaves you. He stays with you through all of that. As they went to tell the disciples, Jesus met them and said, All hail, and they came and held him by the feet, and they worshiped him. And Jesus said, Don't be afraid. Why did Jesus tell them, Don't be afraid? This sea-walking master of every situation that commandeth even the wind and the waves, and they obey him, says to you, Don't be afraid. When the darkest hour of your life happens, Jesus will look you in the eye and say, don't be afraid. One of my pastor friends was in the hospital four months ago. He and his wife both on a ventilator. Both of them critical. He pulled through. She didn't make it. The way they had her funeral was the family stood in the parking lot as people drove by and waved. Four months later, his son was taken to the emergency room two weeks ago last Wednesday. He wasn't there a day before they had him on the ventilator. On Sunday, he died. How do you lose your wife and four months later, you lose your son? I called him and talked with him. Just this last Friday, I talked with him. I said, how's it going? He said, it's the toughest thing I've ever been through in my life. Toughest thing I've ever gone through. But he said, but I'm going to tell you something, Jerry. He said, because I know that there's another meeting place. Because I know that God has all of my tomorrows. Because I know that this is not the end. Because I know that because Easter is coming, it means something special to me this year. I've preached about it all other years. This year, it means more to me than any other time in my life. And I want to tell you that during the darkest of days, the Lord is with you. The Lord never leaves you. He goes with you. He stands by you. And He strengthens you. And I told him, I said, there's no understanding this. There's no way that you're ever going to rationalize and figure this out. It's beyond our comprehension. I don't know and I don't have those answers. But now we look through a glass darkly. Anybody look through the glass darkly? Anybody try to look through that glass and try to see something you could understand, but it's so dark you can't get it? Now we look through a glass darkly. But then, somebody say then. But then, face to face, we shall know 
as we are known. Then said Jesus, don't be afraid. Go tell my brethren. He didn't say my disciples. He said my brethren. Go tell my brethren. You see, the Bible tells us as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The Bible tells us that if we're heirs, then we're joint heirs with Jesus. That we're part of the family of God because of what Jesus did on that cross. Because of what Jesus did at that tomb, he secured for every one of us life eternal. When John was on that Isle of Patmos, got in the Spirit on the Lord's day, he saw the Lord in his glorified state, said his hair's white like wool, about his paps as a golden girdle, a priestly robe on to his feet, his feet as fine brass burning the furnace. And Sam, when he saw him, he said, I fell as a dead man. And he came over to me and laid his hand upon my head and he said I am Alpha and I am Omega the first and the last the beginning and the ending I am he that was dead but behold I'm alive forevermore and I've got the keys to death and hell and the grave wow Joel, you know where he got those keys? God gave those keys to Adam. When he told him, he said, I put you in the garden. You rule over the garden. You name everything. You take care of everything that's here. Name it all. You are to have authority over everything that's in the garden. But there came a time when Adam surrendered those keys. When he sinned, he separated himself from God, had to leave the garden. And that was the time when hell got the keys. But while Jesus was dying on that cross, shedding his blood, purchasing our redemption, securing our salvation, becoming the propitiation, I'm becoming the justification. And when he was put in that borrowed tomb, the Bible said he went down. I said he went down. Down to a place that the Bible calls Sheol. S-H-E-O-L. Sheol. It's Hebrew for confinement. Prison. It's where wicked souls and spirits went before Jesus. They still go down and are housed in a place called Hades or hell. Sheol has two compartments. One compartment is Abraham's bosom. Righteous souls and spirits of the Old Testament saints. The other compartment is Hades. It's where wicked souls and spirits, John, are held there until another resurrection a second resurrection when they will come before the judgment seat of God. There's a great gulf that separates the two. 
Jesus told us about it in Luke 16. He tells us that a rich man died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes. And he prayed, not to God, but to Abraham. And he said, Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he might come and touch my tongue with water, for I'm tormented in this flame. And he said, no, that can't happen. He can't count, cross over to you. You can't cross to him. He said, well, would you send somebody back into the world and tell my five brothers don't come to this place? You remember that, don't you? And the Bible said that when Jesus came out of the tomb, he led captivity captive. In other words, when he went down to Sheol, he took all of those righteous souls and spirits of the righteous dead. And the Bible said there was a resurrection. When Jesus got up, he brought them with him. Praise God. And he changed paradise from down below to up above so that righteous souls and spirits don't go down anymore. They go up. For to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Wow. Can't you just picture that? If I could ever sell that to a producer, it'd make a great film, wouldn't it? What was it the writer said? And hell had a party. They thought they had Jesus. Oh, yeah, I remember now. That was another S.M. Lockridge. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Said old Satan went by and he, he said, Oh, grave, have you still got Jesus? devil walked over to death and said, Oh, death, have you still got Jesus? And oh, there came an answer and said, Let me tell you what happened just about the dawning of the day. There was a great earthquake, and we lost him. Somehow or another, he came back alive. Somehow or another, his voice began to speak. Somehow, his legs began to walk. Somehow, his hands began to move. Somehow, he came back from the grave. And when Jesus appeared on that Isle of Patmos, and he said, I'm Alpha and Omega, first and the last, was dead. I'm a Behold, I'm alive forever. I got the keys. You know who's got the keys right now? The Lord Jesus has got the keys. He's got the keys. Death does not confound him. The grave cannot hold him. Nothing can perturb him. Nothing can outfox him. Nothing, nothing. He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came to the city, and they showed to the priest all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large amounts of money to the soldiers and said to them, his disciples came by night and stole him while you slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we'll persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught 
and this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to a mountain where Jesus appointed. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and tell everybody. Tell everybody. Olivia, come help me quit. You know, when Gorbachev was the premier in Russia, they were having a parade. And they had the missiles. You've seen it many times, how they put all their weapons on display and show how powerful that citadel of atheism, that citadel of communism, that dictator stood there while people were giving him all the accolade and all the praise. But behind him there was a group of people. The Russian Orthodox Church had put up a cross. And behind the tanks and behind the missile carriers, these Christians had a held up in the air, and they walked until they got even with the parade box, and they turned and took the cross and extended it toward Mr. Gorbachev. And they said to Gorbachev, Trust in the cross! Can you believe that in the face of danger and being killed for what you say, that there's still some people that will say, I know that he is living. He lives within my heart. He lives, Christ Jesus lives today, walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives within my heart. Stand with me, please. You know, the Bible says that if there was no resurrection, then is Christ not raised? And if Christ be not raised, then ye are yet in your sins. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we've testified that God raised him up whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. Twelfth verse of 1 Corinthians 15. But now is Christ risen from the dead. Can you say that? But now is Christ risen from the dead. One more time. But now is Christ risen from the dead. And you know what else? And he has become the first fruits of them that slept. What does that say to us? It says that the first resurrection has started already. Jesus has already started. He's the first fruits. And brother, our hope, the hope for my pastor friend, the hope for all who lost loved ones during this pandemic, the hope of a nation that needs to call upon God, the hope is that one day, one ordinary day, just like this day, I always say. There's going to be a sound. 
a trumpet will sound. Oh, when it sounds so loud as to wake up the dead, oh, where shall I be when it sounds? I'll be somewhere listening. I'll be somewhere listening. I'll be somewhere listening for my name. Oh, I'll be somewhere listening. I'll be somewhere listening. I'll be somewhere listening for my name. Immediately when that trumpet sounds, the Bible said, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. I would like to be there if it were possible. It's not possible, but if it could be possible. I'd love to be there when my loved ones turn around at that grave and say, you lost your hold on me. You held me there for 40 years. You held me there 25 years, but you'll never hold me another day. I'd love to be there when my loved ones that have died with cancer and died with all kind of disease can walk over to death. Oh, death, where is your sting? You stung me, and I had to go with you, but I'm free from your clutches forevermore. You'll never sting me again. Won't that be a wonderful time? Oh, blessed be God, that is as sure to take place as you know who you are. The dead in Christ shall rise, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Somebody say caught up. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hey, listen, did you know that that first century church, they didn't say, hello, how are you doing? They didn't say, are you all right? When they saw one another, the Bible, they said, Maranatha. You know what that means? The Lord cometh. The Lord is coming. Wouldn't that be a great greeting for all of us? That we'd be reminded every time we meet, the Lord's coming. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. And that's the hope of Easter. If you're a Christian, and all that the story of Easter means is there's a bunny and some eggs, you don't know enough. You don't have the right story. You need to get the full story. Because he lives, he said, ye shall live also. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful Easter celebration. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about the greatness of your power to usward who believe. Thank you for reminding us once again that it's by the Spirit of the Lord, not by power nor by might, but by His Spirit. And I ask you that all of my brothers and sisters today would have a great Easter celebration with their families and their friends and be reminded all day long that because He lives, we live also. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen and amen.